And as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, I will remind you that the author of the book is uncertain, but whoever wrote it, we know the Holy Spirit inspired them. And they're writing to a group of individuals that had come out of Judaism, and there's a nostalgic desire to go back for various reasons to Judaism. And so through a bunch of point of comparisons, um, they've elevated Jesus, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews has elevated Jesus above all of these types within the Old Testament. And the desire to go back to Judaism would be going back to a shadow and to something that isn't as extravagant as Jesus is. And so we're going to see that continue on in this chapter. And this chapter really reads like a, um, the first quite few verses read like a, a Rembrandt, like a work of art, like a masterpiece, where not a whole lot of commentary is necessary. You almost mess it up by trying to um, comment too much on it. So we're going to read through, and then uh, when we get to the end of the chapter, we're going to be able to apply it. So you'll see how that functions. Hebrews chapter 10, let's ask God to go before us. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time as we have another opportunity to sit under your word, Lord. We pray that we would be moved by the Holy Spirit to just have a taste of this wonder that you are for us and to us, to once again be grateful and thankful for all that you've accomplished for us in the sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. And so, Lord, bless this time that we have in your word and Open up our eyes and our ears to understand what it is you want to speak to us specifically this evening in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach... Perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered. For the worshippers once purified have had, uh, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So the author is letting us know that the sacrifices that we are, were offered in the Old Testament gave the believers an an ability to approach God, but they had to do it constantly offering these sacrifices. And if you think about it, kind of like a credit card. They had to pay later and then pay later and swipe that card and pay later and swipe that card and pay later. But there was always a penalty. There was always something to pay. goes on in verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body... You have prepared for me and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. And then he almost says the same thing, but differently. Previously saying sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for
for all. And so just a beautiful, beautiful little thing that took place where Jesus came and offered once and for all so that no longer would the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and animals have to be sacrificed. And when it says that God didn't have pleasure in these things, I want you to think about how horrific this whole sacrificial system would be. I mean, to some extent, you got to at least like animals. You might not love them, but you got to like animals at least, right? These are living beings. They have an ability to feel and imagine the bloody mess that a sacrifice was. And that's on purpose. It's, it's actually gross. You imagine a lamb, just a beautiful little lamb. And you take that lamb and you bring it close to yourself. And you take a knife and you slit that lamb's throat and you let the blood drain out and, and you're full of that bloody mess. And that blood that is being shed is a bloody mess. And it's a horrific thing. And God was pointing to a horrific event in that whole sacrificial system. And God's not callous. He's not unfeeling. He's not without the ability. He's saying, I don't like these things. But I had to show the picture of how gross this was going to be because even more gross is my innocent son shedding his blood for the sins of the world. And so the picture had to be grossed to show how gross the actual real thing would be. When it says, Behold, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. It's Jesus Christ. All of those types are pointing to Jesus. All of those pictures are pointing to Jesus. All of those shadows are pointing to Jesus. And over and over, every sacrificial system, everything that we saw, the tabernacle, the picture of the, the, the covenant, the ark of the covenant, everything is a picture of Jesus and what his sacrifice would accomplish on our behalf. And to come in contact with that, as Monica was sharing as she led worship, she was just thinking of this opportunity to draw near to God and what he has given us through the sacrifice and opened our eyes, blind eyes being able to see. And that's an exciting thing. That's why we worship. We worship because we're so thankful and so grateful for the sacrifice that he made and what it has afforded us. And hopefully you're in touch with how sinful you are. Hopefully you're in touch with how wicked you are. We, we like to put our best foot forward. We, we like to pretend that we have it so all together. But we're alone with our thoughts. We're alone with ourselves on the daily. And we're wicked. We're just wicked. Even when we try to do good, sometimes you check the motive and you realize, ah, yeah, I did that right thing for the wrong reasons, didn't I? Uh, sorry about that. And yet God made a way for us to be able to approach. Verse 11, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. What? He's not standing in the Holy of Holies, dancing around, almost running so that everybody could hear the bells on the end of the robe to know that everybody's, oh, hey, I'm still alive in here. I'm coming out soon. 
it's, it's told that there was a rope tied around the high priest's ankle so that just in case they stop hearing those bells. Oh. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't make it, guys. Jimmy didn't make it. We're going to have to pull him out. Ooh, okay. Sin in his life or something. I don't know. Jesus is not standing. Jesus is seated. What does that speak of? A finished work. He's seated at the right hand of God in glory and in power. And what does he stand for? He stood to receive Stephen. I would imagine when one of his kids comes home, he stands to receive us. And that's just a beautiful picture. But he's seated, declaring, my work is done. It's done. It's finished. Verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. There's a time coming, God, where, man, it's a horrific time. Angela was showing me a picture of... uh, the chip that's being implanted in co-workers at a company. Uh, I forgot what state it was, but Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah, and and, you know, you you look at that. If you want to receive a chip, by the way, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, That ain't the mark of the beast. You will know that the mark of the beast is coming. And and if you have a strong aversion and conviction against it, then don't. You know, I'm sure it's a voluntary thing. But there's a day coming where we know that you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you have a mark in your wrist or on your forehead. So we know that the technology is there. We know that the signs are there. We know that things are fulfilling as we, as we live. And it's just horrific that there's a time where people that shake their fists of God, God's enemies, are going to be reckoned with. But that's not a time that we as Christians should glory in right now. It's a time of grace, a time of love. Get that grace, get that love out there. Let people know. For by one offering, verse 14... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Aren't you glad that you're not a finished work? You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. But he is perfecting forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. And so now he's quoting from Jeremiah, the new covenant. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. The idea of the new covenant, there's that scripture in 1 John that says that his commandments are not burdensome. And his commandments are not burdensome because he is supernaturally, after he writes it on your heart, he is giving you the desire and the ability to fulfill the commandment. What a deal. Like, it boggles my mind. Wait, God, wait, hold up, hold up. Okay, so here's your commandment, and now you're changing my heart to want to obey the commandment, and then you're giving me the power to actually obey the commandment. God, you're doing all the work? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, God's doing all the work. We couldn't do it on our own. What a deal. The old covenant proves that we couldn't do it on our own, right? It showed us that we can't keep the law. So God said, I'm going to write it on their hearts, And then I'm going to give them the ability and the desire to fulfill it. That's like, that's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. Verse 19. Therefore, so now notice we have our application. Brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, what happened to the veil when Jesus died on the cross? 
So it's telling us his veil right here was ripped for us. You had something, man? No? Okay. So his flesh was like a picture of the veil that was rent from top to bottom, that was ripped, Isaiah 53. That's gruesome again. The sacrifice is, is gory, isn't it? But it's showing us what that accomplished for us. Let us draw near, verse 22. Is that where I'm at? 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one, in, uh, one another in order to store, store, stir up Love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So our application then becomes, let us draw near with a full uh, heart, a full assurance of faith. Notice the word faith. And then it says, let us, there's three let us, let us hold fast confession of our hope. So we have faith, hope. And then another one in verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and good works. Faith takes care of the path. Hope takes care of the future. Love is for the present. Reduce me to love, Lord. Reduce me to love. To behave in love, to think in love, to act in love, to put others' needs above my own. Faith takes care of the past. Hope takes care of the future. Love is for the present. He's going to go into one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible next time, next chapter. Hebrews chapter 11. And you have the faith chapter. And we're going to slow down there because we're going to just basically see a picture of all the Old Testament patriarchs that just walked by faith. And so how were they saved? They're saved the same exact way we're saved, through faith, trusting that God would one day send a deliverer, a Messiah. And through that looking forward to that Messiah, looking forward to the cross, they are saved. How are we saved? We look back in, in past, right? To the cross, to the Messiah. By faith, we trust. Hope is, two things need to take place for there to be hope. Last week, uh, lead singer of pretty popular 90s rock band committed suicide. Hope. Hope wasn't there. He had uh, divorced his wife, or his wife divorced him, lives up in Rancho Palos Verdes, and had a concert this weekend, but he just couldn't go on. So he killed himself. No hope. This world is lost, and they have no hope. Hope is expectation and desire. Expectation and desire. And if, if we can recognize that no matter what happens in life, if, if we would have the perspective that we can, notice in verse 19 what he said, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Guys, nothing should ever not allow you or, or bring you to, to, to run to the feet of Jesus. Whether you're in a desperate situation, whether there's blessings, whether there's good things, whether there's, Everything should be something that just drives us to be able to turn to God, look to God, trust in God. Even if there's, oh, I don't want to go because it's going to... No, no, no. 
Don't believe any lie that would keep you from being able to go to God and run to God. Your sinfulness is a reason to run to God. Your shame is a reason to run to God. Your guilt is a reason to run to God. Your sinfulness is a reason to run to God. Your confusion is a reason to run to God. Your ailment is a reason to to run to God. There should be nothing that happens in your life that doesn't cause you to go to God because that's where your help comes from. That's where you're going to be better. And the enemy will lie. He will lie, lie, lie and tell you all kinds of (laughs) masquerading lies. Be careful. If you ever feel, I can't go to God. I can't approach God. I'm, I'm not... Those are lies. Those are lies. So be careful because we do get in positions in life sometimes where, man, this is tough. This looks hopeless. Run to God. We always have hope in God. We always have what we need in God. So we see their faith, hope, love, right? God bless you. When he says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Within that construction of that sentence in the Greek is a command to go to church. So if anybody ever tells you, I don't go to church, I mean, whatever reason they give you, why don't you go to church? I'm always suspicious of people who say they're Christian and they don't go to church. Why wouldn't you obey the commandment to go to church? Because church is more than for you. Being here at Calvary Chapel, Living Water. I would look out in the audience and I would wonder, wow, Lord, I, we're missing a few of the gifts, Lord. We're, we're missing a part of the body is not here. Huh, it's interesting. All right, Lord, you, you'll, you'll bring them because that's what God does. He resurrects a body so that we can minister to the community. Right now, God is putting a crazy, crazy vision on my heart crazy vision like like impossible stuff he wants to do like shazam stuff like like gift of faith stuff and i'm like lord nah that's crazy like are you gonna do man that's crazy jesus that's what you want to do but what it's taken a while it's taken a while we've been here seven years and i've watched the lord assemble and bring not a big church but i'll take small and strong all day over big and weak, over big and, and, and superficial. I'll take small and deep all day. And so as, as he's putting this thing, I'm like, wow. And, and Joshua's a, a clear fulfillment of what he wants to do. And, you know, the Lord has just shown me little things. And I'm just amazed. I'm like, dang, Lord, you're going to blow some people away with that. All right, here we go. When we don't go to church, when we refuse to go to church, we're, we're hurting the body. Imagine if you went somewhere and your arm didn't show up. Arm just wanted to stay home. Ah, I'm, I'm tired. Covijas. I'm going to pull up the blankets over my... I don't want to get out of bed today. And your arm just stayed there and your whole body went. You'd be like, oh, darn, I got to work with one body today. Uh, one arm, I mean, in my body. Okay, I guess I can... I ain't going to do as much as I could do with two arms, but all right, I guess I'll get it done. Would you not be diminished? Imagine if a leg and an arm wanted to stay home. Oh, man, I got to hop and only use one arm. I was going to be a tired arm when I'm done, right? That's what we do in the church. 
That's what we do when we forsake the assembling, when we don't go to church. And God will wait it out, right? Seven years is nothing to God. But I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, all right, Lord already told me the work I'm going to do is going to come through the body. You prepare, you prepare the ministers, you teach, you be faithful with what I've called you to and watch the work that I will do in my time. And so as I see it coming together and I see God starting to put things on my heart and I'm just like, it's about to go down. Mic drop pretty soon. I'm like, okay, Lord, we'll see how long that takes. Because seven years, you know, there's God. Be careful with that. Notice why he wants us to come together. He wants us to exhort one another and he wants us to love. Where was the other one? Um, not forsaking. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Stir up those gifts. Stir up the desire to just be used by God. The minute you gave your life to the Lord, you had everything at your disposal that God can use to use you. Did you know that? Well, I don't know that many verses. And, you know, I don't, my prayer life isn't really all it should. The minute you gave your life to God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And it's the Holy Spirit that will speak through you. Verse 20, I can't see it. Eight. Oh, it's the just shall live by faith one? 26. 26, thank you. Can't see it, my eyes are gone. Now notice this strong warning. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What he's saying is, if we refuse the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross, there is no other sacrifice that can get us to heaven. We've rejected the only sacrifice that can get us to spend eternity with God. Okay? That's very important you understand. There is no other sacrifice. Remember, that was the temptation of these Hebrew Christians. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of god underfoot counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and again the lord will judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living god and so that's one of the hard, harder warnings in the book of hebrews along with hebrews chapter 6 but it's rejecting the sacrifice that Jesus made. That, that's what it's all um, based on. But recall, verse 32, the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. These guys have already struggled, partly while you were being made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. This is one of the reasons why many believe that it was Paul writing from um, prison. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just 
shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not though of, of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So the just shall live by faith is taken from the book of Habakkuk. There are three books in the New Testament that quote that verse from Habakkuk. Habakkuk, I don't know how you say it. Habakkuk. Um, the just shall live by faith. It is the verse that Martin Luther would be reading that he would actually give his life to the Lord. He was, um, man, he was striving in the flesh. And he was part of a monastery. I mean, he was a, a monk serving God. Martin but he, excuse Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther oh. King. <laughs> Martin Luther. Martin Luther started the Reformation. Okay? Protestant Reformation. Oh. Way back. Uh, came out of Catholicism and started the Protestant Reformation. So he was struggling with the fact that he was sinful. And that he couldn't be good enough for God. And so finally he read this verse and he said, Whoa, 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 what? The just shall live by what? By faith. Taking God at his word. Believing God. That he would be sanctified by God. Set apart by God. So that's a neat thing. Uh, The book of Romans quotes this verse. And the book of Romans tells us who the just are. So the whole book just shows us who the just are. The book of Galatians quotes... The just shall live by faith, and it tells us how we shall live, walking in the Spirit. And then the book of Hebrews is all about faith. So the just, Romans, shall live, Galatians, by faith, Hebrews. So nice little just breakdown of that verse. But notice he says, we're not those who are going to draw back. We are those, uh, but those who will believe to the saving of the soul. There's, there's a very important thing, and we're going to close here. That's the last verse. But there's a very important thing. It's not simply believing it's believing and that believing has to be a trusting and that trusting is 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 trusting in god walking by faith means that i'm moving in a direction with god i'm going further and further with god i'm allowing god access to more and more of the deep personal things that that lie deep within that that I don't let anybody touch that I'm afraid of anybody to even know. I, I, I hold, woo, oh, hold on, hey, hey, hey. Get a little close there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're seeing too much. Not with God. That believing is trusting with more and more as time goes on. Why? Because his track record is faithful and he never makes a mistake in your life. And he is worthy of more and more trust. So when we say, I believe in God, and then we do nothing about it, you don't believe in God. You don't believe in God. You're lying. When we say we believe in God and we trust Him, then we believe in God. So don't ever get that twisted. It's not a mental assent. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe. And you do nothing about it. No, I believe, and I'll stake my life on it by how I live my life. I will show you that I trust Him with my life. Okay, very important that we understand that. Remember this group historically is about to lose the temple. The author of the book of Hebrews is telling them, you better be careful. You can go back to a system that's not going to exist. You can go back to a system, something that you're comfortable with, that in a little while isn't even going to be there. 70 AD, right? Titus would come in and annihilate the temple. 
Sacrifices haven't been going on for 2,000 years. And so let us be careful not to go back to the things that are comfortable. We should on purpose live just outside of our comfort zone for God's glory. Lord, what are you calling me to? What do you, what do you want me to trust you with, Lord? That's a life right there. That's like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know, God. You, mm, you want me to share with this person? Oh, that's crazy, God. All right. And go for it. Go for it and watch what God wants to do guys life on earth short short tiny life in eternity that's rest and joy and peace right questions comments concerns i just want to say that that's been on my heart like for a while now is to surrender Mm. more and more like you say to trust the Mm -hmm. lord more and more and it's hard to do that, but you're just stepping out <clears throat> little by little and doing it and trusting God. What makes it hard? Just the fear of not knowing how it's going to happen and, and, you know, if you're saying do this, mm-hmm. what if it doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. Or fearful of rejection or... Uh, speaking out in just um, different things like that, but it's like you say, it's not. It's by faith. You do, you do faith. You work it out. You just don't believe it, but mm-hmm. you trust God and you do it. Thank you for sharing. That that is is beautiful. Remember a lot of things. What she said. Uh, results are not up to us. Results are up to God. So we do our best. Commit the rest. And whatever God is calling us to, if they reject, they're not rejecting us. We, we tend to personalize that and, and we feel bad. Oh, man. It's not rejecting us, right? They're rejecting the message. They're rejecting the Lord ultimately. And all we're doing is what? Planting and watering seeds. So don't forget, planting and watering seeds. So that's what we want to be faithful with. And... God will extract every ounce of blessing for you in heaven when you, you're like, Lord, honestly, I kind of messed that one up. No, you were faithful what I asked you to do. You obeyed as I called you. So those are kind of things that help just remind us that results are up to God and they're not rejecting us ultimately. And, and I think as we walk in boldness, I don't know, it kind of like a little more bold next time. And not obnoxious. Please, 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 not obnoxious. And if you're in sin, don't, don't share. Take care of your sin. If you're struggling sin, bad witness. If you're, I can't say struggling with sin. If you're in open sin, you're in rebellion to God, don't share. Struggling with sin, we all struggle with sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed us within the body through your sacrifice and uh, you have work to be done in these last days and so may we look to you for our marching orders may we look to you for just guiding us leading us and may we be faithful to follow after you as you lead us lord thank you for your word thank you for just uh, your faithfulness your grace your goodness and lord i pray that we would continue to look to you all the days of our life in jesus name amen Amen.